So the story goes that it was over a century ago that missionaries landed on the continent of Africa to go into the jungles of the Congo. And they were there to share Jesus with people who had never heard about him before. And they were really, really excited. And so they hired some guides and some local people to, like, to carry their supplies. And as they went, just day by day, these missionaries, they became more and more frustrated with their guides. Because they weren't going at a pace that the missionaries wanted. So they would push them faster and faster and faster every day. And they would push and they would push until one day the guides, they woke up and they wouldn't move. And the missionaries, so they begged them, they urged them just to continue to go, and they wouldn't move. And then finally, through a translator, they asked, why have we stopped? Why aren't we continuing? And the guides responded, it's because we're moving so fast that we need to stop and let our souls catch up with our bodies. And I wonder, how many of us need for our souls to catch up with our bodies? You know, I think this is a kind of a reflection of how I feel at times. And I told you from the very first week that this series, what we're studying, has not been a strong point of mine. So many times in my life, I, I mean, I feel like I'm accomplishing a lot, but yet my soul's somewhere back there. And I think that sometimes we need to rest so that we can catch up with where we are. And so today, we are wrapping up this series that we have called Cadence. And the reason, the reason that I called it Cadence is because there is a certain rhythm and, and an unforced rhythm to life that God wants us to live. There's a cadence that if we can get in that cadence, we can synchronize with the cadence and the rhythms of God. And when we do that, it will actually bring rest, life, regardless of what's going on. And a life that's not only productive, but it can be lived with a certain ease regardless of what is happening around us. Now, I'm not saying that life will always be perfect and easy and there's no bumps in the road. But what I'm saying is even with the struggles and the bumps of life, if we can match God's cadence, if we can line up our life with the life that he actually wants us to live, if we can bear his yoke, as Jesus called it, then it's easy. And in fact, let's turn to our theme, our theme scripture, Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is Jesus asking questions. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Is religion not even giving you a rest? This is what Jesus says. He says, if that's you, come to me. Get away with me, and then you'll recover your life. That's what a lot of us, man, we just think, if I could just get back to there, if I could just recover that life that I remember. He says, if you'll, if you'll come with me, then you'll recover your life, and I, Jesus, will show you how to take a real rest. Anybody rested, but it didn't work? A real rest. And he says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I, Jesus, does it or do it. And then he says, learn. It's something we have to learn. It doesn't come naturally. You have to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is why we call the series Cadence, is because we want to live in a cadence with God or a rhythm that's unforced, that feels natural to who God made us to be. And those come by the grace of God. And Jesus says, I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting. I'm not going to give you things that don't fit you. Those are not from God. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or burdensome 
on you. I'm not going to give you anything that doesn't fit how I made you to walk on this earth and to work on this earth. And then he says the ultimate of how to do all this. That's what we're going to talk about today. Keep company with me. Stay with me. And then you're going to learn how to live freely and lightly. Now that is what my soul hungers for, been longing for, lightly and freely. And I believe this is what your soul hungers for as well. But so many of us are frustrated today with where we are in life. It could be with your marriage. It could be with your children. It could be with your parents, your family. It could be with your work, your career, your business. It could be in school. Or, or maybe it's your mental health. Or maybe even you struggle with your faith. Maybe you feel stuck where you're at. And what we've discovered is that busyness and hurry, it's, it is an issue. But we a lot of times point at the world like it's the world's fault. If they would just slow down, I could slow down. But I want to challenge us to look internally. Now, one of the things that the world does bring is it will bring distraction to you. But it's up to us to actually deal with that distraction and to head off that destruction. Now, bringing you back to a quote from earlier... Dallas Willard says, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life of our day. We're talking about where we're distracted in all the different things where we feel like we've got to do all of this. And the problem with that is that my life, our lives, the rest in our lives depends on how connected we are to God. How undistracted we are from the things of God. Because if we can't hear from God, how are we going to hear from God? If we can't stop and hear from God, how are we going to see what he wants us to do? If we can't stop, then we don't know what he thinks about us, and we can't change our thinking to what he believes about us. How do we become who God wants us to be when we're constantly distracted from the things that he's placed right in front of us to do and the people's lives that he's asked us to make a difference in? Now, I think it's pretty simple as to what causes all the distractions in our lives. And I think it's mainly two things. Everything kind of will boil down to two things. One is a pursuit of productivity so that we can have more whatever is in your life. You can fill in that blank. Maybe you're pushing and you're hustling and you, you know, you're too busy and your schedule is too full just pursuing more. That could be more, more money, a bigger house, a better car, power, influence. Maybe just that you look better to those that are around you. But when we boil it down, we, real, we might realize that we're pursuing things that we don't necessarily have to have, and that's causing distraction. Now, the other thing that is causing a lot of our distractions in our lives today is our screens. Online shopping is supposed to save us time. How is it that we spend more time walking down the virtual aisles than we would have ever spent in a store? Right? Or it's that series you got to binge. You know, I started it. I can't not finish it. I got I to gotta binge it. Microsoft did a study. It said 77% of young adults today, the first thing that they do when they have just a little sliver of, ta- of time is pick up the phone. But let's not pick on them. How many of us, have, wh- you're at a stoplight. When was the last stoplight you picked up that you didn't, or that you stopped at that you didn't pick up your phone? Yeah, you're in a grocery store, you're in a line somewhere. What happens? Phone comes out of the pocket. This has been an issue for us, but did you know your most valuable resource today is your attention? 
The reason I know that is because everybody's after it. What every business knows if they, is that they can't get your money if they can't first get your attention. Do you know the apps on your phone, they are designed to keep your attention, to keep you scrolling. That's why those three little dots keep blinking is because they want you to keep staring at it waiting for a reply. That's why it's designed that way. Your phone doesn't actually work for you. Now, you pay for it, but almost every app that you have on your phone is developed by multi-million dollar corporations that have one job, and that is to grab your attention so that they can either sell something to you or they can sell your information to somebody else. And here's the painful part. You're not the customer. When you buy a phone, I am not the customer. I'm a product. Let that sink in for just a second. My phone, I'm not the customer with my phone. I'm the product. And what is for sale is my attention and your attention. And what that comes with that is a lack of rest and peace of mind many times. How did I become a product from something I bought? So what do we do with this world that we live in that's so busy, so distracted, that we are just kind of being brought along in this current of what's going on? I think we've got to go back to Jesus who says, walk with me and I will show you. And we've got to ask, how did he do it? Because look, Jesus was the least distracted and most unhurried person in the world, and yet he accomplished more than me, more than you, more than all of us put together. So how did he do that? Now, I want us to study this, and we're going to start in Mark 1. In Mark 1, there is a story of the very first day of Jesus' public ministry, and it's this crazy day, kind of like we have. And I just want to walk you through his day for a second, and I want to show you what his answer was to all the distraction and all the busyness that he went through, all right? So we're going to start in verse 21. Jesus goes to church, to the synagogue, and he began to teach. So he begins his day in the morning, and he's going to teach people, similar to this. Now, I don't know how many of your teachers here today, but man, when I get done teaching on a Sunday, I'm spent, all right? And for, look at this. For those of you that are teachers, you teach every day within our school systems, man, I just want to say that I honor you. Nobody knows what you go through to teach every single day, especially for the last few years that we've had. And our country spends an enormous amount of money on education of our children. But the problem, I think, is that very, very little of it gets to you, the teachers. So we've got good teachers quitting and look they didn't get into it for the money but they don't pay you enough to go through what everybody puts you through so for those of you that are hanging in there for the sake of our children i just want to say thank you thank you thank you jesus also was teaching in this tough environment as well because people were coming against him they were showing up to his preaching just to try to trick to try to trap him and they were trying to catch him every word they were measuring and they were trying to use it against him and in the midst of that it says that the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as those that were trying to trap him and so in this instant literally in the middle of his teaching this guy who's demon possessed pops up and starts causing all of these problems and all of this commotion and it's hard enough that he's teaching, but now he's got this, and Jesus looks at him and says sternly, be quiet. Sorry, that was stern. 
has come out of him. So Jesus has this huge day of teaching. He's having to cast out devils in the middle of his sermon. And the people were amazed. He's doing an amazing job. And then the news spread about him quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Everybody wants his attention. So he needs a break. He's walking from Peter's house. Uh, I mean, from the synagogue to Peter's house. He's going to rest. He's going to recharge. He's going to get a meal. And when he gets there, Jesus, Peter's mom's sick. Can you do a little bit more work? Can you heal her? Uh, just this has like been exhausting. It's a huge day. But he does it. And then he gets, a, he gets a break after that. But then the next verse. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demon-possessed people. Could you imagine the whole town gathered at the door. Imagine, you've got the longest day, and you get home from work, and the whole neighborhood shows up with sick and demon-possessed people. It's like Halloween. But here's the thing. So he, then he went ahead and healed many who had various diseases. But G, with Jesus' life, he had this day that never stopped. How many of you had that day? Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus gives us the answer. Watch what he does as he says, follow me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Watch what he does to live freely and lightly. Next verse. Very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He got alone, just him and his father, to have some quiet time. And watch this. This is Jesus' model. Throughout all the, through the Gospels, we see that this is Jesus' habit of what he did on a regular basis. In the midst of the craziness of my world and your world, we need some time every day where it's just us and him. Now, I want to show you a couple other examples. Um, now, there are a lot of them, but later on in Mark chapter 6, it says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have, he and his disciples didn't even have a chance to eat. They're working so much, they didn't have a chance to eat. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I have. And then it says, after that, Jesus says to them, Hey, we haven't had a chance to eat. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves to a boat, to a, there's that word again, solitary place. Now, in the book of Luke, nine times we watch Jesus do this. And, and whenever we see this kind of repetition, we should all take note because this was Jesus' habit. Okay? In Luke chapter 22, there's a place that shows how important this was for Jesus. Jesus went out as usual. This was his habit. To the Mount of Olives, this is the place he liked to pray, and his disciples followed him. He's teaching them his usual habit to live lightly and freely. Jesus is the greatest leader in all the world. And what did he do with all that distraction, all that demand, all that busyness? This is what I want us to walk away with today. Jesus modeled for us the remedy for our hurried, distractive lives is daily solitude with God. One of the things that's going to help us slow down, shed the rush, live lightly and freely is a daily quiet time or solitude with God. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand the word solitude. It doesn't mean isolation, all right? Solitude and isolation are worlds apart. Solitude is relational. 
In other words, solitude is where you're spending time with God, being filled up to deal with all the craziness that is your life. Isolation is lonely. That's when you fill your time with everything but God, but yet you're still alone. So solitude is not isolation. When you're isolated, you're not spending time with God. You're spending everything with everything but God. And that's when the enemy can attack you. But Micah, I mean, I come to church, right? I mean, I'm here. What more do you want? Yeah, and you can walk away hopefully being filled up and you've had time to, to worship, to learn, to, to be quiet and reflect. But Jesus is modeling for us that we need more than that. We need some time every single day to connect with him. You can't just eat or drink one day a week and expect to be healthy or not thirsty or not hungry. We have to... We have to follow the model that Jesus gave us and copy that so that we can live freely and lightly. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be grandiose. It doesn't have to be Instagram-worthy, guys. I see pictures of, of your quiet times, and you got your latte and your Bible and your notebook, and you got the right filter on it. You don't have to do that. It's just solitude with God, just quiet time. Because without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a powerful spiritual life. If Jesus had to do it, guess what? I need it. You need it. We need it. We want to stay in tune with him. If I don't connect with God, if I don't hear from God, I'm never going to see myself the way God sees me. Which means I'll never become what he made me to be in my life. And then my life, our lives start falling apart. Mike, I've tried. I want to make this a habit, but I just keep failing. I don't know how to do that. Can I tell you I've been there? But I think that one of the reasons we don't have solitude with God, the reason many don't have solitude with God is that they don't have the right habit. We saw that it was Jesus' habit. I, had a quote, I heard a quote. It says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your habits. Let that sink in. I want to have a habit that every day I have a little bit of time with God, solitude. And we need habits that actually support where we want to go. And we need the cadence, the, the rhythms, the habit of quiet time, solitude with God. So I'm going to get really practical with you today, okay? How to create a habit of a daily solitude time with God. This will work for anybody if they put it into place. And here's what it is. You need a time, a place, a plan, and a prayer. I'm going to break this down for you. First, I think you need to have a time where you pick the same time every day. That's the first thing that helps with the habit. First thing I do when I wake up, I brush my teeth. That's a habit. Okay? The, so sometime today, if you just think, well, sometime today I'm going to have a quiet time with God, it's probably not going to happen. Jesus' habit was mornings. I personally choose the mornings just because in the mornings I'm much more alert at this point in my life. It didn't used to be that way. I used to be more of a night owl. If you're not a morning person, you don't have to do it in the morning. But the key is not the morning. The key is that you pick a time that you don't have to, you don't have to shift things around constantly. You know, well, I'm going to have to move my quiet time around because of the schedule. Well, for me, early in the mornings, that's the time when nobody's, pretty much nobody's going to mess with that time. And I can make it a habit. Now, you, you know, in the evenings are not like that for me. I got this thing, I got that, that time. But the key is same time every day. Number two, your place matters. 
I try to sit in the same place in the same chair if I'm not traveling every morning. And this is why. When you're trying to form a habit, your visual cues, they mean more than you can imagine. God designed us. You have 11 million sensory receptors in your body between your five senses. Guess how many of your sensory receptors are dedicated to just sight? 10 million out of 11 million are dedicated just to your sight, which means what you see triggers you and it matters in habit formation. So I try to sit in the same place every morning with the same setup. I've got my Bible on my phone, my coffee, my oatmeal. And I'm just telling you, that has, been, that has made a huge difference in my life in consistent solitude when I sit there by the window. All right? Now, I also think that you need a plan. I don't think you should wake up and just say, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to open my Bible and stick my finger somewhere. No, I think you need a Bible reading plan. And, uh, and this is why we promote the one-year Bible. You need a plan. I know what it's like. to. I want to read the Bible. I want to read the Bible, but I don't know what, I don't know what to read. Well, this, we give, this is why we give you a plan. You don't have to do this plan. It's just have a plan. And if you have a different reading plan, that's awesome. I just want to encourage you to have one. And also, if you go to the YouVersion app, Bible app, uh, the Bible app, it actually has thousands and thousands of free Bible reading plans with devotionals that are in them, and you can search by subject. So you, parenting, marriage, anxiety, whatever it is. And you can sign up for those plans, and they're anything from seven-day plans to the one-year Bible, 365. Now, a lot of these apps, they start with the King James Version. And if you like that, that's great. But that was written in 1611 for the Kingdom of England, and it is hard to read. We don't say ye and yow and thee and thus and anymore. All right? But there are new translations that are biblical. They say the same thing, but they say it in a way that is easy for us to understand. And I want to kind of suggest a few that I use. Uh, the NIV, the New International Version, the NLT, which is the New Living Translation. I use that one sometimes. Or the ESV, the English Standard Version. All of those are very easy to read when you just want to sit down and read. Now, the one I teach from here on the stage the most is the NIV. But you need a time, you need a place, you need a plan. And then finally, your quiet time, your solitude should always include talking with the Father. We call it prayer. Now, so many of us, we read God's Word, we listen to God's Word, and then we just go on with our day. You want to let it sink into your heart. You want to let God speak to us. And, and look, don't overcomplicate prayer, okay? It's simply a, com a conversation with God or communication with God. And you don't have to talk in King James language in order for him to understand you. It's, you just pour your heart out to him. Now, in the Bible, there are certain prayer patterns. Jesus' disciples came to Jesus and they said, hey, teach us how to pray. And Jesus didn't just say, hey, just treat him like, treat him like he's your best bud and talk with him. He gave them a certain pattern. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And it wasn't just meant to be repeated as he said it. He was giving them an outline in how to pray. And I have found an, an amazing, another app that I use in my prayer life that will help, that gives, walks me through prayer patterns. It's actually called Pray First. As somebody who's been a Christian for over 30 years and in ministry for close to 30 years, I find this app amazingly powerful in my life. It's made a huge difference in my prayer life. And so I wanted to share it with you. What it does is it takes some of these prayer patterns 
and they actually do guided prayers through that. So it'll lead you through that prayer and give you space to pray in certain sections on your own. But, it's, but you need to be able to not only talk to God, but also we need to listen. A lot of us, we have a problem with listening more than we do talking. You ever had a relationship where the other person does all the talking and does nothing but ask you for things? Don't look around. How does that work out? I think sometimes God listens to us just talk at him and to ask him for things all the time. And he's like, whoa, 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 I got something to say too. Would you, would you like to wait and listen? I've got something for you. In the last series, we talked about stopping and just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I think that's when I hear him the most is when I'm during prayer. Did you know part of prayer is being quiet? Yeah. Sometimes we spend our whole prayer life just talking and talking and talking and talking. And maybe God is saying, would you stop and just be with me? Just be aware of me? And here's why I think that this is important. is because the noise of our modern world is making us deaf to the voice of God. All the noise of the world, the busyness, the demand, the hurry. Sometimes it makes us deaf to his still, small voice where he just wants to whisper into your heart. Some of us are excused for not having solitude with God. We all got our excuses. Mainly it's like, I'm just too busy. And I want to call us all out on that because that's a lie. We're not too busy. We'll make time for what's important to us. So the question is, how important is solitude with your God? Some of us, we struggle with spending that quiet time with God. And just to be honest, if we're honest with ourselves, it's because the noise of this world, the hurry, the rush, the demand, allows us to drown out what's facing us and what's actually going on in our heart, in our mind. In our emotions and we think sometimes if we got alone with God I might have to face those things that are on the inside of me maybe it's shame sin regret sometimes I think maybe we're hiding from God and it could even be subconsciously that we're making busyness an excuse to slow down and spend time with him and, and you know we can't hide that that from him anyway right he, he knows everything but here's the thing is you don't need to hide from him because we have a God, you have a God that loves you so much that he wants to spend time with you. Listen, the creator of the universe wants to spend time with me, with you. He loves you just as you are. He's not going to give you shame. He's gonna, he wants to bring healing in your life. He wants to help you with what you're going through. But he can't bring you that if you don't have any solitude with him. So, the goal of being a follower of Jesus is to become more like him. And we can't be more like him if we're not actually spending time with him. John Knox was a famous pastor in the 1500s, man of prayer. And one day, he got summoned by Mary, the Queen of the Scots who was known to murder people and execute people on the spot that didn't say the right thing or give the right answer. And he was supposed to spend 10 minutes in her presence. And all his friends begged. They begged him, be careful, you could die. And this was his response. Why would I fear 10 minutes with the queen? 
when I've spent an hour today with my king. That's what we need. That's the mindset that we need. In order to be a strong follower of Christ, spend time with the king so that he can build you up. He can make you strong. So here's my challenge for all of us. Find a time, find a place, come up with a Bible reading plan, and then pray. Talk, but listen in prayer. And if we will begin to make this a habit, they say 21 days creates a habit. If we will make this a habit within our lives, it's amazing what Jesus told us when he asked, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me, he says. Get away with him and you'll recover that life that you remember. And he will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with him, even work with him, but watch how he does it. Learn his unforced rhythms of grace. Learn his cadence because he's not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with him, and then we'll learn to live freely and lightly. I hope you've gotten as much out of this series as I have. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, good.